today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, he's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic man show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam Minahan here sitting. <clears throat> Start over. Adam Minahan here sitting in studio with Juan on the buttons. And Jimbo Baggins here. The whole team Everybody's is, back, here. is back together again. I'm here too. Yeah, Dave is here, naturally. Fittingly. Yeah, fittingly. I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm tangled up down here on my cords. Okay, there we go. S- you know, sitting is hard. Sitting is <laughs> hard. hard. Sitting is hard, yeah. Uh, it's great to have everybody back. Juan, great to have you back, my friend. Where did you go? Mini Adventures. Yes. We- yes. Don't do it again. <laughs> I shall try. Uh, Jim, we dedicate this uh, episode to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have to tell the story. It's just, this is the funniest, the funniest thing. So we're going to be talking today about the six daughters of lust. I think it's a... No. Uh, <laughs> of lust. Of, oh, not lust. lust. We yes. already talked about in a eight different da- episode. Eight daughters of lust. The daughters of lust. We're talking today about the six daughters of gluttony. And so Jim was asking, what are, we gonna, what are you guys talking about today? And so he said, the six daughters of gluttony. And then under his breath, he said something like, I probably dated all of them. <laughs> I said, Jim, that may have been uh, it was the funniest hilarious. thing you've ever said. The, the funny, it was the funniest thing. Dave, so I just got back uh, this evening from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yes, how was? Did you go to St. John's? No, I did not. It was not opened yet. It was not open yet. At oh, least, really? Uh, yeah, at least um, when we were over there. But I got a even, chance. Even the director of communications for the entire diocese doesn't. Well, I didn't, I didn't pull any strings, you know what I mean? I didn't, you didn't throw your weight around? Did not throw the weight around. No. However, speaking of throwing weight around... I was going to say, that's a, that's a wrestling joke. Yes. Uh, we went to uh, uh, Gallagher-Iber Arena, where it, the historic Gallagher-Iber Arena, and watched uh, a wrestling duel between OSU and Missouri, who's ranked number eight. OSU just came off of a win against Michigan number five in the nation, beat them, and then turned around and beat Missouri the last match. All right. Uh, it was awesome. The whole family went. Uh, my my whole family, my mom and my dad and my grandma, 
we were all there. We went to St. Francis Xavier. Shout out to uh, Father Brian O'Brien. Uh, we went to Holy Mass out there, the beautiful church of St. Saint Francis Xavier. Uh, got a chance to meet up with Ro- Father, Father Robert Healy for a little bit uh-huh. at uh, the wrestling duel. Did you see Father Porter while you were there? I did not see Father Porter. No, we did not. I did not get a chance to see him. Uh, I saw Father uh, Carey at a distance, but he was in typical fashion like running a safe distance yeah he was like running and doing things right and so i realized he's probably busy and so uh, i didn't bother him uh but it was awesome it was so much fun to be back in stillwater it's it's such a great town so and you used to wrestle for those who don't know adam used to be i did used to wrestle he was a national championship wrestler he won no he was the number one wrestler in the nation (laughs) no it was not in 2004 (laughs) no I was not. I was not. Um, but I did. Who's the number one? Here's the thing. Number one wrestler in the nation in the Minahan household. Oh, that's he, not even true. In 2004. Yeah, that's not true either. Yeah, you still, you still could not wrestle your dad. That's true. Not that he would be able to like do a lot of the wrestling moves that he probably could do in the past. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Oh, so uh, get on my high horse for just a second with wrestling. Okay. It's a wonderful sport. Great on discipline. Great on. Uh, being able to gain confidence, uh, self, self-mastery, self uh, self-control. There's so many uh, great things about wrestling. They've totally ruined it, though, uh, allowing uh, boys and girls to wrestle together. Uh, just completely have... It's, totally, it's just totally immodest. It's, it's just not right. Um, if girls want to wrestle, which I think is in and of itself something to think about, whether that is a good thing or not, whether right. we're promoting... Uh, feminine virtues by letting them do this or not that's a side question but if they are wrestling there should be their own league they should not be wrestling with boys you're just bigoted at them that's what it is i know uh, apparently um and so i can't let you're my just boys trying to wrestle live in your glory days back when you used to be the best wrestler in the world and you know those days are gone okay yeah. the world's moved on i guess so what are we drinking this evening well you brought it but it's oban little bay small batch Small cask? Small cask, yes. Not yes. small batch. I thought that was interesting. It's a small cask. Yes. So they use little casks. A little cask is going to tend to have an aging effect, a uh, quicker aging effect on mm-hmm. a whiskey because the ratio, the surface, surface the surface area is greater on a smaller barrel mm-hmm. um, because the surface area or the surface area compared to the area of the shape is less. Okay. Uh, or more. More. It's more surface area. I stopped listening to you. You know what I mean. Um, Oban has not changed their whiskey recipe since 1794. One of the smallest distilleries in Scotland. Uh, and it's also at sea level. Uh, the, the distillery is at sea level. About 200 steps away from the sea. Um, and so it, it's a... They don't... Uh, produce a lot of whiskeys but i think they're they're delicious it's a unique I love Oban. it's a unique uh highland whiskey because they actually get some of their uh barley from the space side they use peat you know space side in the highland you know uh, yeah but whatever and they use peat from scotland and uh but still it's a considered a highland whiskey um the west highland coastal malt so uh, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Uh, the nose has a, a toffee 
vanilla candied apple smell. Hmm. Nice. It's a fine whiskey. Hey, uh, like hazelnut up front, mm-hmm. uh, and then it has this nice gingerbread, almost Christmas taste at the very end. That has a nice. Yeah. I like the finish. Veracity. The finish really develops. You know, it doesn't just like it's it doesn't, still it doesn't right just linger. It actually develops. Yeah, the finish. That's, I like Oban. That's I think incredible. Oban is is a under very underrated distillery. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, they're and they're not overpriced. They're more expensive than a lot of scotches, but I agree that I think they're actually underrated um, for for what they make. I think this was a sixty-five dollar bottle. Mm-hmm. That's very. I mean, very this one was sixty-five bucks. Sixty-five bucks. See, I didn't know that you could still get them in the sixty-five. I yeah, years ago when when I first started drinking scotch, oh, you could get an Oban for about sixty bucks, mm-hmm. and then they quickly went up. You know, not not really quickly, but then over the years they kind of went up into the eighty, eighty dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, for the, like most of their stuff. Mm-hmm. But still, I feel like even eighty dollars is is really a fair. Yeah, I think a, a this fair is sixty five. Maybe it may have been almost seventy, but sixty five, seventy dollars. Well, I think that's a great. I think that's a great deal. Yes. And usually I'm Jim, on, the, on the yummy scale. Four. Four, four yummies. yummies. This is back to back weeks of four yummies. Four yummies. Back to back weeks. Scientists are actually analyzing the yummy scale to see if. See what it really if there's means. There's any secret, uh, secret hidden like messages, like what can be determined mm. apart from the yumminess. Mm-hmm. If there are actually sublingual like texts going on, nice, yeah, it's a uh, cutting edge, cutting edge, nice, 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 nice. Mm-hmm. Um, gonna be in uh, Little uh, Rogers, Arkansas this week, Wednesday, Wednesday, so that'll be fun. Um, we're also gonna be. Recording with Paul George on man, Thursday. A man with two first names. A man with two first names. Great guy. Can't wait to talk to him. We've we've talked to him uh, on uh, Louisiana Catholic Radio. Yep. Acadia. That's what I was trying to think of where they were. Yeah, that's, Acadia. that's what it was. Uh, Catholic Radio. Uh, but we're going to have him in studio on Thursday. We're lining up quite a few speakers this year. It's going to be... Uh, I've been... Oh, I haven't even told you this yet. You ready, bro? I'm ready. I am locking in a date with Dana Joya. Nice. Yes. Oh, the Catholic I, poet. Yeah, no, I know exactly who he is. Yes. Um, he so wrote was, "Summer Storm." Summer Storm is that was, like one that was of my, the that was the poem that where I first said, "Oh, I think poetry is cool." Like uh, yeah. he was on Patrick Coffin's show years and years ago. Uh, I think this is like right after he left Catholic Answers, um, and he was he had him on. I think that's what it was. or I don't think it was before he left. Anyway, it was right around that time. And yeah, he, Patrick Coffin had him on, and he read the, his poem, Summer Storm, and I just thought it was captivating, beautiful, and yeah. it was the first time I ever felt truly inspired by a poem. Right. Yeah. So I, that's awesome. I'm so glad that he's coming. Yeah, and then we're also uh, on Godsplaining this week. Yes. Uh, we'll have Father Bonaventure out in Tulsa. Uh, Paul Thigpen, Cy Kellett, Trent Horn. We have a lot of really great guests this year. 
Go to thecatholicmanshow.com, sign up for our newsletter so that way you know when we will be having them on our show. We'll be right back. Lent is just around the corner. Can you believe that? Have you thought about what you're going to give up for Lent? Have you thought about even why we do Lent? The new content director for Exodus 90, Dr. Jared Stout, recently wrote, Lent keeps us anchored in a continual need for God's grace and the importance of removing the obstacles that we put up to receive it more fully. If you're looking for a good way to journey through this Lent as a man of Christ, the 2023 Lenten Spiritual Exercises from the Exodus team starts February 22nd. That's Ash Wednesday, February 22nd. Go check out their Lenten Spiritual Exercises at Exodus90.com. That's Exodus90.com. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Holy Family Cathedral for having us out to speak yes. at the Martin Dinner last night. That was a lot of fun. Shout-out to our wives. To our wives. Didn't they do awesome? I thought Lady I Pamela thought, and Lady Haley just did awesome. Like I, I felt like they both had a moment where... Like the Holy Spirit was really like working through them, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was like so I was surprised by some of the things they said. Yeah, both of them were just they were yeah. nailing it. I it mean, was so great. You know, we don't get a chance to a lot of times talk with our wives, but right. we had an opportunity to talk about uh, our book, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place yeah. by Ascension Press. You know, uh, one thing we haven't talked about, we've mentioned it a lot, but or not a lot, we've mentioned it at least once. Um, something that I really have found a lot of satisfaction doing is ministry with my wife. Which doesn't happen a whole lot, but um, we do something. I that, mean, every day with your children. But yeah, but I mean, like in a public, more of a public way. So next weekend, she and I will be doing a Catholic Engaged Encounter mm-hmm. retreat, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's so much fun for us to because it's like something that we get to do together, mm-hmm. right? Um, ministry always, if it's a ministry you're truly called to, always has a like a satisfying element to it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but when you do it together with your spouse and your, I don't know, it's just something that is, yeah. it's really great. So I highly encourage people to look for opportunities. Um, like at our uh, at our fundraiser, annual fundraiser, there's a couple who volunteers together, right? And mm-hmm. they, they sit and they do the checkout together. Mm-hmm. And I always think that it's like, man, that's so great for them. You yeah. know, like, it's cool that they're doing it, to, they're doing it together. Because so often it's like, oh, I'll do it. Like the the man will do the volunteering and the wife will watch the kids or, you know, so that right. that's how she supports whatever, but do it's, it together. It's if, so great. Yeah, a lot of opportunities. I want to give a, another shout out to all the people who, all of the uh, responses we got when we said, hey, if you're some, if you're a Catholic who knows about artificial intelligence, reach out to us. We got a lot of responses. So um, be, uh, be patient. Uh <laughs> Some of you might not hear back from us. Okay, we didn't realize. Yeah, thank you. We were <laughs> thank you for. Um, we got a lot of cool stuff from a lot of people. So, um, a just lot. a shout out to all those people. And I want, lot, I want to recognize you, right? Because I might not do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to give a shout out, Juan. If you'll go to the other camera angle, really fast on YouTube's um, to the deer. To the deer behind, I've been, I have been waiting. You don't even know. Adam so, has been, Juan has been gone for like two weeks, so we've not used this angle, this camera angle. And this is a new deer. This is a new deer hanging on the wall. I shot it uh, this year. I Euro-mounted it myself. Um, He's really proud of it, guys. I'm really proud of it. So now we have two deer hanging out with us. 
So shout out, shout out to that deer. <laughs> Just wanted to do that. I've been waiting. I've been waiting a month to be able to to have that in the shot. We discussed doing the same thing with Jim someday when he dies. I'm not sure what we, we're still. We're, we're, we, what you we mean? Put out a, wait, you mean euro mounting? Euro mounting him? Yeah, like it's a memento mori thing here on the wall. We have a. Uh, we have we put out some feelers with some canon lawyers to see exactly what the church would say about that. Uh, so far, it's. I not mean, Justin good. Martyr did have a human skull. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Why can't Why can't Jim help us get to sanctity, like help us get to heaven, with his skull, his euro mount? I don't know. It'd be it would probably be very immoral. That's why. Immoral things don't help you get to heaven. That's true. At the end of the day, <laughs> That's no so matter true. how, no matter what else, the ends don't just. No matter ends. what else, immoral <laughs> things don't help you get to heaven. Yes. Fair. Uh, do you have any cabinet updates? No, it's Dave's been, cabinet updates. It's been so ridiculously cold this last week. Yeah. I haven't even gone into my shop. Oh really? Yeah. So uh, I was I was happy that even when it's twenty two degrees outside, I did go out there. I got a I got a thermostat out there now, mm. like a clock that does you know the inside thermostat oh, yes. oh, you know yeah, with yeah. with a remote sure. outside. So it was twenty two outside and it was still thirty five in the shop, which I was glad because I didn't know what to do. You know I've got all this like wood glue and it says do not freeze, mm. and it's like well I'm not gonna keep it inside right. in my house and then like oh. I need the glue and walk in. I know. I've, I already, I've wasted so much wood glue. I already spend enough time walking back and forth between my garage and my shop. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to leave it out here and we'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't, it doesn't seem like it will freeze in the that's shop. Good. That's, that's good. That's great. I also want to give a shout out to my son, Luke. I have to do this because he's still holding fast with the XS90. Nice. Uh, we had to alter a little bit, uh, letting Sundays be a complete relaxed day yeah okay so um prudently we we discerned that some of the things that he took on were were very tough and uh we thought it would be best to let him continue but uh on sundays he's he has a relaxed day he's got a hundred bucks on the line too and he is uh pumped he's, is he still like very much aware of that very much every day yes yeah. i mean because if he can in fact, uh, just yesterday he was taking a cold shower and he goes, he was screaming a hundred dollars as he was uh, showering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it is very much that is hilarious. He was like hundred dollars <laughs> as he was uh, showering. So uh, he is very much on the lo- very much aware. That so, is awesome. Uh, <laughs> and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but a hundred dollars. Do you want to tell him? You want to tell him why? Oh, I offered him. I when he was doing it, I said, I said, uh, I told him he's my godson. I was like, you know what, godson, if you can take cold showers for all of Exodus, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And he said, okay, deal. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out since we're Man, gi- we were since we're giving shout out. Outs. Yeah, we we're just rapid fire shout outs. Today. Shout out to my one of my other godsons who uh, had his first confession this last Friday. Yeah, Santiago yes. Posada. Let's see, it was he mo- made it mucho, mucho. It was a little bit short, so I asked him if he. What do you mean? <laughs> a little bit short. He like walked in and walked. He in. was there, and I was like, "Did you hold anything back?" He was like, "Nope." <laughs> All right, we need to go over examining your conscience again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was probably like a 
it probably just felt fast because I was praying. But Father Castle said that he did great. So we're going to have confirmation and communion on May. So he went back already to have his second confession today, Sunday. Hmm. Personally, I think the restored order is the way to go. I agree. Yeah. I like I'm it. A, I'm all in. I'm a big fan of it. We're also uh, less than 14 days now to baby baby Minahan making his or her appearance. Oh, yeah. So that'll be great. Has Haley slipped up? Has she? Because she knows the sex of the baby, but you originally intended not to. Has she? Has she given any clues? No. What do you? Th- what's your guess? Uh, boy. We boy. Are, we we already discussed that's right. This. We did. We did. We, we yes. did do that. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good guess. Just playing the odds. Playing the odds. Yep. I think I think it'll be a boy. We'll see. I'm pumped. I would can't you wait. like it to be a girl? Uh, I would like it to be a healthy human. So you being. don't you don't have a preference? You really don't have a preference. Uh, I will be very happy with either. So you so no. I'm, what I'm hearing from you is you don't have a preference. All right. I'm happy with either. I always have a preference. You always have a preference. Yeah. Me I'm too. usually disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> being that you have four girls. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I love it. And Mary. And all and of my daughters beyond what I can explain. <laughs> Davey needs a brother. Okay. <laughs> no, that's true. They all, the, all, in fact, all of the girls wanted another brother. Oh, they did? Yeah. But that being said, Susanna Marie is just the best baby. She is. She never and cries. She's super cute. She's super cute. She's just she's always happy and content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else you could ask for. Yeah. Uh hey, are you reading anything besides the Iliad right now? No. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah, that's your answer. Well, actually that's not true. I'm reading Betsy and Tacy. To the kids? Yep. Very good. We just started that one. Very good. So far it's just okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we're only on the third chapter, so you know, we'll see stand by. Okay, stand by. We can maybe add the Betsy and Tacy to the cabinet update segment of the show. Okay, very good. We just started on The Hobbit. Okay, Ooh, The Hobbit. And the, Adam hates that book. The, I don't the, hate the book. <laughs> I don't hate it. Just don't like it. He I don't like it. it. He doesn't want to read it. In the in the first I've chapter, uh, when you Gand- finished. Yeah, I've I've read. Oh, you did finish the it. Okay, All right. Good yeah. for you. I didn't like it, but that's, that's fine. okay. In the first chapter, when Gandalf comes in and says, and I was like, and in came Gandalf. Then I realized, like, oh, they, they don't know. Who they that have is. no idea who yeah. that is. Right, right. you're expecting <laughs> them to be like, yeah, I love Gandalf. He's the best. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's well, very good so far. One of the books uh, that you, I I bought at Clear Creek. Yeah. We were at uh, you know our retreat last week, like, as we as we discussed, um, and Father Bachman, who who gave a, a a talk to us, gave a retreat talk. He mentioned uh, St. John Cashin. Yes. Right? And so I immediately went and bought... Is that? Do they have it at the bookstore? At the it. gatehouse? Area? Yep. Uh, I'm kidding. St. John Cashin, The Institutes, which he has... The Conferences and The Institutes, those are his two big books. Uh, that, And in The Institutes, he talks about... Uh, basically, basically, the first... Three or four chapters is about like uh, monk life, like habits and garb and times of prayer and things like that. And then the second half is is more. Uh, it's all about uh, the capital sins. Give a brief overview over who Saint Cassian is, because okay. so he's, he, a, he's a, uh, a he's awesome, a t- awesome saint, awesome saint, uh, fourth century Christian monk, uh, and he helped develop basically 
the monastic understand the Western understanding of monastic life. Right. right. Uh, he helped. Uh, he his um, writings are very like ascetical, like and, and talks, so talks after Saint Benedict. No, no, no. Before Saint before Benedict. Benedict. Before Saint Benedict. Saint Benedict. When used, was Saint Benedict? Uh, Saint Benedict was. Were they contemporaries or like very close to each other anyway? Uh, yeah. So Saint Benedict was sixth century. Okay. Uh, no kidding. Uh, Saint John Cassian was fourth century. I did, I thought. Oh, oh. So uh, Saint John Cassian like kind of wrote out the ascetical life, like things like talking about because you know people talk sins. about benedict being the father of western monasticism but saint john cashin well benedict is but he pulled a lot from saint but, john but, but he kind of laid a lot of the foundation for benedict correct did. so we're going to pull from him tonight and actually a, a host a litany of other saints all right we'll be back hey guys david niles here from the catholic man show with adam minahan and if you haven't heard we wrote a book with our wives, so you know it's good. That's right. And it's on the domestic church called Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. And that's exactly what it's about. How to live the faith beyond just going to Mass on Sunday. How to experience and live your life at home so that we can grow towards holiness. That's right. And it's published by Ascension Press. So go to ascensionpress.com, search for Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place to get your copy or buy in bulk. Cheers to Jesus. Welcome back to the Catholic Command Show. We've talked about the eight daughters of lust. You can go back and look that on the CatholicCommandShow.com. Tonight we're going to talk about the six daughters of gluttony. You know, it doesn't surprise me that lust has more daughters. It just doesn't surprise me. Seems like gluttony would have more. So, well, six is a lot of daughters. I don't even have six <laughs> daughters. All right. True. 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 Uh, but before we get into the the six daughters, I think we'll wait until we may even make it past the radio. Adam, segment. we never finish on time, right? Okay. Uh, but I want to go just, through before we do that. I just want to say how impressive it is, John Cashin. You met, you said you know fourth century. This is the three hundreds. Mm-hmm. The fact that we still have his writings, his writings. You know, like I just think that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's not just him. There's all kinds of stuff we have from different people from all you know, like even long before him. That's just, if you just, like, take a, take a second, that's incredible mm-hmm. that we have all these people's writings. A lot of it, you know, is often because of the veneration of these saints and the importance that they played, especially in, the, in Christian history, that it was Christians specifically saving their work mm-hmm. uh, because they knew it was important. Um, so, you know, we have, a lot, we have a lot of people to thank for great works, like... Ones we won't know until we get to heaven. That's right. Right, exactly. Um, and, and sometimes it's uh, miraculous intervention. You, you know, think about uh, St. Louis de Montfort. Yeah. You know, the, like... The, burying his writings. Yeah, burying. It's like, should have been lost forever. You know, just destroyed, slowly decaying under the earth. Um, but kind of miraculously found. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just cool that we have it all is. this stuff. It is. Uh, so, we'll go through a couple saints, what they talk about and their thoughts on gluttony. Uh, but before we even talk about the saints... Let's let's start with Socrates. Okay. Uh, we'll kind of start. It won't be exactly in like chronological Socrates. order, but uh, before we get to the saints, we'll talk about the you know the pagan Socrates. Socrates said when he talked about glutton, uh, gluttony, he said uh, that it was um, that gluttony was susceptible to vice and moral decay. It was not it was uh, not for the living of a, a virtuous life, but 
for more, for more of a susceptible to vice and moral decay? Gluttony was more susceptible, like people are more susceptible to have that vice. To, vi- to vice or moral, and moral decay, like vice in general, not just gluttony. Oh, so gluttony lends itself to vice more, more than other things. And then moral decay. Yeah, and then he says uh, one that gluttony in in the in Plato's Republic he he argues that gluttony and overindulgence of the senses is one of the obstacles to obtaining wisdom and uh, intellectual enlightenment. Hmm. What are your wow. thoughts there? I agree. I, I think he's absolutely right. I don't know how he knows that. This, that's how I feel about a lot of Socrates stuff. Being a pagan without the benefit of the divine revolution, revolution, the divine revelation mm-hmm. that I rely so heavily on in my own thinking. When I think about reality, it's through the lens of divine revelation. You know, right. like the the truths sure. that have been passed down to me through the Church of Jesus Christ. Sure. I and so like yeah okay I've been taught all of these truths that, that help and inform my worldview, and I agree with Socrates on all this stuff. I don't know how he got to the same conclusions, right? Without yeah, he, he all of these things he knew it's amazing instinctively or or like through just wisdom, you know that uh, gluttony and many vices were contrary to the virtuous life. Mm-hmm. So Socrates is a great example how Christ God really did imprint the law into the nature human, onto uh, our uh, hearts, natural law, right? Yeah. That and if you like, not just anyone can do this. Obviously, Socrates is you know a, an incredibly he's a genius, you know, he's mm-hmm. incredibly intelligent. But just thinking deeply and being honest about assessment of. Uh, you know, your own experiences, what has gone well for you, what has not gone well. I mean, it's like all he's doing is basic, he's just taking basic life um, and just being honest and thinking deeply about it. And he's coming to these incredibly transcendent and profound conclusions. Right, yeah. Uh, So gluttony, just for uh, definition purposes. I was going to ask you about this. Yes, so the typical definition uh, is eating or drinking inordinately contrary to reason. Okay. Now, we'll, and we'll, we'll get into this later, but I think that uh, in today's world, gluttony uh, is much of a bigger, has a much bigger scope than eating and drinking. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll ta- I do. Uh, and we'll talk about that later on. Let's, I'll punt yeah. that for now. But let, don't you think it could apply to any of the appetites? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let, let, let's talk about, again, uh, let's stick with a couple of these saints and then we'll get into a little bit more because I think they're going to help us this, unpack this idea okay. of what gluttony is. I'll wait around. Yeah. Um, so St. John Cashin, as we talked about before the uh, uh, the break, in The Institutes, which is, another, I mean, again, a great book, even though it's written for monks, it's a great book. You can check it out. It's written, it's in a series of ancient ca- uh, Christian writers, ancient Christian writers. It's a blue book. Uh, the Institutes. If you live anywhere close to Clear Creek Abbey, their bookstore is incredible. They have... Not by Newman Press. You can look it up. They have not only like great books, but they have great printing, great editions of everything. I mean, like the the binding and printing of that book is beautiful. Binding, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, So, uh, Saint John Cashin says that gluttony was seen as a sign of weakness and a lack of self discipline. Totally. Okay, so he says because you're not strong enough to say no to your passions, right? Uh, he, he saw fasting as a discipline that would help purify the soul yeah. and increase the spiritual strength. He, he also talked about spiritual vision, 
which I thought was awesome because we talked about that just uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Uh-huh. About how fasting helped uh, increase your spiritual vision, like yeah. the ten uses of mortification. Mm-hmm. Um, at, and uh, he he picked up on that, or we picked up on that, I guess. But uh, he was writing about it. Now, there's a word that he uses that I um, learned. I did not know what this word meant. Okay. Uh, I don't. You you may, but it. Have you, do you know the word uh, gourmandize? No. So Gormand, uh, Gormandize, he talks about this extensively. At, uh, about Where is ha- it? Is it on this page? No, it's not on that page. Uh, but it's in the book. It's it's right here. Gormandize. It's like spells like Gorman, G O R M A N D I Z E. Z E. Okay. Uh, he, he says the desire to Gormandize is the first thing that we must trample upon. Now, what he means by Gormandize is he means uh, eating excessively, but of the delicates. Of the finer foods. Oh, that's me. That is me. Like, he, he, like he, something gourmet. Like gourmet. Yeah, gourmet, like truffles. Oh, like, like, have you ever eaten a truffle? Yeah, of course I have. Have you ever eaten 12 truffles? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever eaten 24 cake Dude, balls? I was going to say, I watched you eat an ungodly number of cake balls one time. <laughs> um, but it, So he talks about like this idea of that gluttony, if we're wanting to curb uh this this uh appetite so to speak this disordered appetite in gluttony is we start off okay that's where you start by by killing trampling the the desire to gourmandize okay so don't don't just try to tackle gluttony all at once unless maybe if you're if you're struggling maybe start with like limiting your cake intake which i well so i like this idea because a lot of people really struggle throughout lent even uh you know fasting because their body's not used to it they they are malnourished at some point because they're not fat their body's not used to fasting it's like okay well instead of actually fasting so to speak of eating food eat you can eat food you can eat all the all the broccoli you you want want, all steamed vegetables you want something like that simple food simple food and that way you're never you're not actually ever going to be hungry. Right. But you are going to realize very quickly how much of a sacrifice that is. Mm-hmm. Like like fasting from salt it's it's way harder than people think it is. Wow. Mm-hmm. You're just eating bland food. Like so, yeah, when you do the bread and water fast, actually eating the bread is mm-hmm. worse. It, like by the end of the day, like I'd rather just be hungry right. than Maybe. have to like choke down this bread right. with water. Right. So he talks about uh Throughout, throughout, he talks about how if the stomach is greater than the mind, then you will have poor judgment and you will not make prudent mm. assessments of things. Sure. It's tough to argue with that. Uh, that if your stomach, you know, dominates your thoughts. Right. Which one is controlling your thinking? And like... You right. know the way you know you're viewing right different and even stuff. in C- C.S. Lewis talks about this even in screw tape letters right uh, the the person that's being talked to by the devil is coming up to, with a thought that is true good and beautiful that's bringing him towards God and uh, the devil says oh just make him think about food just make him think about food real quick and then the uh, the person immediately thinks about like oh I haven't had lunch yet I'm gonna go eat lunch and then I'll come back and think about this and it's like. It's the I like it's just perfect, right? This is what, it, like, if your stomach controls your Dang thoughts, it. that happened to me today. <laughs> if your stomach controls con- controls your thoughts, then yeah. you can't actually enter into. This is what the, the, the saints all say: is is that if if your stomach controls your thoughts, you actually can't enter into contemplation because everything is so loud. Your your exterior appetites That's are right. so loud. That's right. 
Um, that's that's the, the the real thing of asceticism is it turns down the volume on your on your appetites. Mm-hmm. Now, so Saint, so Saint Benedict, who we talked about, mm-hmm. picks up with, from Saint Cassian, right? Talks about uh, the Benedictine order. Writes writes the whole rule of Benedict. He picks up on this and he actually says that uh, he saw gluttony as a form of idolatry. Wow. Okay, so like now, heavy. now we're talking about like you know. Uh, a sin against the first commandment. Yeah. Okay, so he talks about that because uh, it, it places excessive importance on material things such as food and drink rather than God. Well, okay. I could certainly see that in some cases. I don't think that's going to be the case with gluttony, honestly, well, most of the I time. Th- well, I actually think that that is uh, spot on, especially when it comes to outside of even food and drink, but other things which we can talk about uh, on the other side of the break. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, um, I, I see where you're going. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about just food and drink, right? Because Well, again, back then in the 6th century, they also didn't have a lot of the things that we have that are dopamine hits. Sure. <laughs> you know, um, the the eating and drinking were such the dopamine hit. Right. That was like the that best, was the that thing. was as good as it got. Right. right. Yeah. So, uh We'll continue the talk, uh, conversation about gluttony on the other side of the break. For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, we used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If, if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really, you know, oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time just because you know they they do it so well everybody wants to use them that's right and if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholic man show you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage which spring or summer 2024 spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah so go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholic man show we want to thank select international tours for being a sponsor of our show the catholic man show Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. I just cannot get enough of this conversation about gluttony. Keep looking, me. Keep looking forward me. to another helping. Yeah. <laughs> here on the Catholic Man Show. I'll feed you baby birds. Tell me more, Adam. Yeah. So uh, before the break, we were talking about Saint Benedict and how he was uh, talking about how gluttony was a form of idolatry. Uh, and so okay. he, he he's given he gave a remedy of here's you know fasting here's how, here's here's what fasting does and he gives he says fasting does three things purifies the soul increases spiritual strength and fosters a spirit of detachments from material things right so this is the 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 count the the contrapasso of of um, gluttony so mm-hmm. to speak kind of contrapasso being a word from Dante's Inferno right the punishment for the thing you did wrong. Right, so uh, he said gluttony is is serious uh, is a serious spiritual problem that is needed to uh, be overcome by moderation, self control, and fasting. He says fasting helps with three things: purifies the soul, strengthens the uh, the spirit, uh, the spirit, and then fosters the spirit from detachment. Fasting will solve a lot of your problems spiritually, anyway. You know, so true. It will even naturally. 
Yeah. So uh, St. John Chrysostom, another saint uh, of the East, this is the only reason why I wanted to bring him in because he's kind of the representation of the Eastern side of, uh, the, of, the, church, uh, of the church. Uh, but he, he said he saw gluttony as a form of materialism. Really? Yeah. As, all right. So he says that you're, you're, that it's placing excessive importance on uh, worldly things, such as food and drink, but other things as well. And he goes into a whole like l- actually litany of things that you could be gluttonous uh, over. Um, but so he 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 saw it more of a materialist thing, which I think is very fitting for the Eastern side because the Eastern side is much more spiritual. Like the spirituality, the mysticism of the Eastern side is much stronger than yeah. I think the Western side, right? Sure. So uh, materialism is something that you have to combat constantly to be more of the mystic spiritual side. So it's interesting, I thought that Christism took on the idea that gluttony was more of a, a a, a, a materialistic mm, yeah. thing. I could be way off base, but I, I also wonder if there's anything about back in the day. You know, if you're you know eating all this food, it also means that you're depriving the poor, right? That if you have all this extra food, it's it's sort of materialistic in that mm-hmm. you're like you're keeping these things for yourself when you've had plenty to eat. Mm-hmm. The food obviously needs is going to go bad, right? You don't have a refrigerator, put it in, but it, it it by rights belongs to the poor. I wonder if there's any, like, I'm if sure that, if that like in, is influenced in his line of thinking. I'm sure because I mean certainly that would have been the case back then, right? You, the food's prepared; it, right. it's not going to last. Sure, in, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a good point. Uh, so let's talk about real quick, uh, as I mentioned, the contrapasso. Like, so Dante in the Inferno. Uh, if you've not read that, I highly recommend it. It's it's a fantastic. <laughs> it's book. a fantastic book. We, so, did, we did an episode on it. You can hear Harrison Garlick. Yes. Uh, yep. Go listen to our episode on that. Uh, but he push he puts the glutton. So he puts the gluttons who are you know. There's a key phrase here is that the unrepentant glutton gluttons right because in yeah. in the Purgatorio in the sixth level of purgatorio is also the gluttons who are being purified, right? But they're repentant gluttons. So the right. unrepentant gluttons are in the sixth level of uh, the inferno or hell. And in this area, they're, they're stuck in the mud, right? They're stuck in the mud and there's freezing rain that's constantly being poured down upon them. They're never satisfied. They're never comfortable. They're never, uh, you eating know, mud pies. eating mud pies. And Cerberus are... Kerberos. I've heard both ways. I think Cerberus is better. I think Cerberus. Right? Yeah, uh, I've heard both ways. But the three-headed dog monster uh, is constantly barking at everybody. There's never, uh, it, there's never satisfaction. It's just no, always there's loud. No quiet, there's right. no quiet. There's barking. He's drooling. He's uh, just all over them, you know, so to speak. He's eating some of them and spitting them back out. Uh, it's uh, just a gnarly uh, scene uh, of just complete uncomfort. Complete. A dissatisfaction with just your appetites. Uh, and so, anyway, uh, Dante has some very uh, interesting takes on glutton. gluttony. He also talks about, if you remember, in the in the uh, sixth level, he talks with Chaco. Uh-huh. And he talks, and their conversation is about almost like a... Uh, gossip session right like right. oh hey what, what's happening up there uh-huh. what, what's going on and it's this uh gossip of of like trying to figure out what information is, is going on you know up in the up in the world and dante uses this to show that like not only is it 
uh, gluttony is is for those who uh, uh, you know uh, with food and drink, obsessed with food and drink, but also those who who struggle with uh, the the vice of curiositas, uh-huh. you know, the, of, of being curious, of, of desiring too much information that's not um, knowledge outside your station in life. Yeah, yeah your your state in life, uh, and so he he talks about that. Um, that, and I thought that was very interesting that he added that into the sixth level. Yeah, so this brings me to... I, wanna, I do want to bring this up here. I think this is the right time to do it. Okay. Uh, is lust a sub-virtue of gluttony? Sub-vice? No, it can't be a, a sub-virtue. Lust is sub, not a virtue. Uh, sub-vice. Sub, yes, thank you. Not a sub-virtue, because it's not a virtue. Correct. We just don't... I don't talk about sub-vices very often. <laughs> I'm used to talking about sub-virtues. Right. So... Would lust be a sub vice of gluttony? No, I don't okay. know the I don't know the exact reason why, but I know that they are uh, distinct in both capital vices uh, and also in um, okay. when when they're like when they give when they lay out vices, both Aquinas and uh, other of the the saints that we've talked about, mm-hmm. they they make distinctions between the two. And uh, used different things in order to counter those those vices. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree from a traditional standpoint when they're really talking about food and drink. Like gluttony was food and drink. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I think today I tend to think about gluttony in more of broader terms about like overindulgence of the appetites. Okay, whether it's the sexual appetite, whether it's, um, you know, you pick the appetite. So in that... If that's going to be your definition of gluttony, mm-hmm. overindulgence of the appetites as opposed to overindulgence in food and drink, then I think lust does become a sub-vice because it's like, or if gluttony is of the appetites, okay, right. well, now they have all these appetites that have their own particular vice, which would be sub-vices of a, of a broader one. But yeah, I, I, I agree that the traditional understanding, food and drink... Right, does make a clear distinction between the others. Yeah, and uh, Aquinas even asks if gluttony is in, in the sumo. He talks about is gluttony one of the serious vices. Hmm. Of course, he says yes. He well, he says it's a capital, but he says no. So he says it's a capital vice, but it's not a serious. It's vice. not as serious as others, because serious capital vices. Uh, are about divine things. Gluttony is one of the lowest okay. because it's not about divine things. It's about concupiscible appetites. Uh-huh. It it hinders you from divine things, but it it is not uh, of divine things. So, but he does think it's a capital sin. Yes, but there's right. I mean there's a hierarchy of capital sin. Sure, but all the capital sins are bad, you know, like... Sure, are all bad. Yeah, right, right. I mean, we're but, not talking about your average run-of-the-mill run of sin about, here. Right, right, I mean, it's like all, but so, but it's he like says all levels of hell are bad, you know, whether you're in, right. you know... Yeah, it's, so it'd be weird to talk about, like, oh, this level of hell is not so bad, you right. know, it's not... This is not a serious level of hell. Right, You know, so exactly. it's, it's... That's a weird... I want to make sure that that distinction is... Sure, but I mean, laid out I the mean, right it's, way. It's, it's a question that he asks in the summa. Uh-huh. But with serious, do you mean like mortal? No, I mean uh, the the gra- uh, the gravity of of the sin. 
Because mortal. So it, he actually says, "Is it serious?" That's like the that's the actual. It, uh, well, words. I don't know the exact word, but it, I mean that's that's what he's uh-huh. meaning. Uh, wow. Um, and because and he, he says, says no, it's not serious. He says it's no because uh, the gravity of sin yeah. is based on divine things against your divine maker, hmm. and uh, those that are directly against the divine maker are more serious than those that are not. All right. So, uh, okay. So uh, I have to get into. Ju- I gotta get in, in the peepster really fast. Totally. Uh, because this again, we're about to have a, a book club on uh, leisure, the basis of culture. So, uh, all patrons, if you want to join in, you. And those be are able on to. Monday mornings at. Uh, those are on Tuesday mornings. Tuesday mornings. Tuesday mornings. Tuesday mornings. At what time? Uh, typically, uh, six thirty. Or six forty six thirty six forty five. I can't remember which one we. It's been Central a little bit, Standard but, Time. But one of those two, we'll we'll, we'll get it locked in. But I I'm, I think I'm going to start in March. I think I'm going to start in March. Okay. Um. But and you can join if you go to Patreon.com. I think I'm going to do that one. Sweet. Yeah, I might do it too. It, it's uh, it's short. It's an easy one. It's only it's it's a very easy book. All of all of the Peepster stuff is is, is, is short. Okay. Right. So he uh, the Peepster in the uh, in Leisure Basis of Culture, which we'll be reading. He talks. About, he argues that gluttony is a manifestation of an attitude. It's insatiable desire and is a rejection of joy and satisfaction that can be found in simple pleasures. So he talks about how gluttony actually uh, prohibits you from enjoying the simple life, from uh, being able to enjoy the simple pleasures that God has given you. Sure. Because you've completely uh, absorbed... You, you cheapen it, it, them. You, cheap, you, you cheapen them, right. So it's, it's a, And he calls it it's a direct opposition to leisure. Yeah. The, the, the gluttonous man cannot have true leisure. This is not just a spiritual thing. It's a, a natural one, too. If someone who eats sugar all the time, you eventually get to the point where you don't think strawberries taste sweet. Right. I mean, like, physically, you don't think they're sweet. So he, so he says, a rejection of the divine gifts of food and drink that leads you to distorted view of reality and a loss of sense of gratitude that is necessary for the virtuous life. So he says that basically you're just consuming, consuming, consuming. You can't be thankful for something that you're just constantly having. Yeah. And thus you can't have a leisurely life. You can't be thankful to your creator. Uh, we're, on, we're out of time on the radio, but go check us out on thecatholicmanshow.com. We're going to continue this conversation on the podcast. One of the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. So this is why, though, I wanted to talk just uh, just very briefly about Peeper, Peepster is because uh, he makes this beautiful connection with that if you're basically feasting the whole time, you cannot have you cannot be a leisurely man. Yeah, you can't enter into high forms of contemplation, and this is what leisure is, right? Ultimately, the highest form of leisure is contemplation. Right. Uh, and so if you and this is what we do uh, in heaven. Right. Which, isn't that interesting that contemplation, uh, if, if you read his book, that might sound strange. Read his book. Read, read his essay. Have you read it? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, read the essay. Have you read both uh, both essays in Leisure, the Basis of Culture? Yes. Okay. The, I just, the Philosophical Act, right? The, second one. the Philosophical Act, yeah. Yeah. Is I, I mean, his, 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 it, when you read the essay, it's like, yep, okay, You're, I'm on board. I get it. That's one of the things I love about him is that he can take these... What I think are complicated philosophical mm-hmm. concepts, yep. and make them. He writes in such a way that is very intelligible for the average person like me. He's uh, 
a digestible Thomist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he really is. He's a Thomist, um, but it's, it's, and his stuff is short, right? It, there, he's yeah. not, he actually didn't write books. He wrote essays. Right. So you know, we're talking. I mean, you know, he did write books, but but uh, yeah, he did write books. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay, wrote books. But. I know that he. There are books. But I thought that it was just like. People no, he, taking he's his written, essays. No, he's written. He he wrote a whole. I whole, guess the four wrote, card, the four uh, cardinal virtues is a book. Yeah, and he wrote a whole three part uh, autobiography. Well, most of his stuff. Let me rephrase. Yeah, most of his stuff is essays. This is really, um, like this is great. an essay. Yeah, you know, this is great. So okay, so let's get into Aquinas. Okay, uh, uh, we mentioned a little bit, but he 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 is the master. Obviously, I think of of the moral life. The second part of the second part of the Summa. Or the secunda, secunda. Second part of the second part of the second part. Yeah, uh, is really if you were going to read the Summa, I highly like recommend reading that part. Yeah, the second part of the second part it, is it, what are all it's like. It's like if you hear someone quote the Summa, ninety nine percent of the time because it's, it's about the moral. It's about the second virtue. part of the second part. It's right. the moral. It's the moral virtues. So he talks about how gluttony is a sin against temperance, which we've talked about a little bit. Gluttony is a sin against charity as well. He talks about it, that it's a hmm. sin against temperance and a sin against charity because it's a form of self-centeredness that dis- disregards the needs of others. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier, right? Like about you're you're disregarding what the poor, you know, the poor, and you're yeah. just concer- you're, you're concerned about yourself, right? Uh, which is the lack of especially charity. back then, like before you had the ability to just save food. Right, you know, like it is a little bit different now. I'm not saying that our our uh, obligation to the poor has changed at all, but when now when you can put things in Tupperware, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to eat this tomorrow for lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, like that doesn't mean you can eat as much as you want. Uh, in fact, right. it, I think it says the opposite. You still even more can't eat as much as you want. Right. In a day back then when, hey, the food is going to the go bur- bad. The burden of abundance. Right. Like, we have this food. It is it is not going to last. We have to eat it. Mm-hmm. Might as well eat it now, and then we can be hungry tomorrow. Right. You know, so you kind of lose. In a, in today's age, you've lost uh, that. No doubt. That excuse. So, anyway. Yeah. So, I, I think it's interesting, though, because he, so- he talks about how gluttony is, you know, against temperance, but also against charity. Uh-huh. Uh, and he says, gluttony is a rejection of the gifts of God and turning away from the divine. Because hmm. you're really turning to the natural. To, yeah. to natural. Turning, huh? turning inward and into the natural world. That's correct. So he says that basically gluttony uh, is the mother of six daughters. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so he, he actually, this is actually according, he, he, he pulls this from St. Gregory the Great. Uh, and then expounds upon it because Saint Gregory actually kind of um, laid this out, which I am learning uh, that Saint Gregory is just uh, the bee's knees. Like he is an amazing uh, saint, uh, and like as as I've I've read more and more, like Saint uh, Saint Aquinas, uh, Thomas Aquinas, other saints pull a lot from Saint Gregory there, the Great. There's only a handful of people who have the great at the end of their title. That's at right. the end of their name. Like Leo, right. Gregory. And, and so if, if you stumble across one, maybe you should check them out. Maybe, maybe check them out. Right. I think that's, that's, that's probably a good idea. So he talks about how the, the, the capital city of gluttony has six daughters, and the daughters of gluttony are excessive joy. Huh. Which immediately, like, what are your thoughts when you first hear excessive joy? Yeah, well, to me, it seems like a good thing. Right. Right, because the word joy... Uh, 
that it's interesting that he uses the word joy, and I know he's actually writing in Latin, so maybe he uses you know a more nuanced word because a lot of there's a lot of really awesome Latin words that difficult to translate into English. But to me, if I hear excessive joy, I think of like oh heaven, you know, like where you're well, okay, you know, like you're gonna have to me joy is one of those those things that there is no moderation for, you know, sort of like charity. You can't have too mm. much charity. Okay. Right? You always like you always want to be full of charity. Not and there's no middle road. I'm not, you know, so to me joy the way I think about it is one of those like you know, there's there's no middle road of joy. Mm-hmm. You want to be full of it. Okay. So when I hear excessive joy, it seems like a good thing. Okay. Yeah, so I think now this is just my interpretation, uh-huh. right? So I may be wrong. Feel free, Thomas. Like hit me up after the episode and tell me I'm wrong and tell me why. Here's why I think. Here's what I think he means by this. Okay. That uh, pleasure causes joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Christian, uh, the highest good that we can do is for the good for, uh, for the good of God, right? That is the, for the love of God. Right, and by doing the things of the love of God, it gives you pleasure. Right, pleasure is a secondary to the end that you're 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 doing. Uh-huh. Uh If eating in excess, it gives you pleasure. Uh, the the purpose of eating though is is so that your body will be nourished, so that you can do the will of God. If you're a glutton and you're continue continual eating. You are um, experiencing the pleasure in a disordered way, namely that you're eating so that you are uh, enjoying the pleasure and not and not for the benefit of being able to glorify, you know, do the will of God. I 100% agree with you, which is why I think we could rename this instead of excessive joy, we could rename it disordered joy. Uh, I'm not in the in the business of doing things like that. I'm just, I'm just gonna propose yeah i'm just gonna propose so that, that alternative alternative title okay for, for number one instead well, of excessive joy we could call it disordered joy because not only are you doing you know having well the pleasure in and of itself is not a bad thing no 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 so, that's why i'm saying it's disordered right because you are um seeking it in a disordered way right mm-hmm. so you know you have this joy god god has he sought he found he has found it fitting and good to reward certain behaviors mm-hmm. like the sexual embrace right. for instance there's pleasure in it's very pleasure right and the pleasure is is not the pleasure is good god put it there but for it's a, a reason it's a secondary good right but it is good right. just like the joy of eating he he made eating pleasurable right. so that we would do it right right but that that pleasure needs to be well ordered right it needs Correct. to be it needs to um fall in the in the right place in the hierarchy of our lives mm-hmm. and of our values right so serving god needs to be higher when that when that joy is not in that right place now it's disordered so that's why i would say to me excessive anything obviously if it's excessive anything you can't have i think it's the pendulum that that is uh swinging way far that way and that's what he's talking about so like you couldn't have the word excessive charity is a it doesn't make sense. Like an ox- yeah, it's an oxymoron that you can't right. have excessive charity. Right. Um, and so I kind of feel that way about joy, but you could have disordered charity, 
right, where you're seeking to do good for lower things before the you, higher. You, before you do good for higher things. It's right. It's not like oh, your your charity is too great, but it could be disordered. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the, the, example is. Yeah, that's why. That's why I'm. I'm not saying. I'm not saying right. it should be disordered. I'm just proposing right. See, the I idea think, of disordered joy. I think it's excessive in as much as you're getting more pleasure out of it than what you ought to. Like when you are in that mind of frame, and hey, maybe sometimes I'm there with food because you know I love some good food. It's like you're getting overly excited about this. It's becoming something so important in your life mm-hmm. that is the. It's in one way disordered, but it's also excessive. Like you shouldn't be enjoying this this much. That is an excessive right. amount of joy that you're getting out of eating. If you're getting uh, more joy out of eating than you are uh, praying, that yeah. that is not that is disordered. Yeah. I'm not sure. I can. I'm not sure. I would would say that there are t- there are, because there are just times in your life when you're just going to you know you're gonna have dry periods in your life yeah but you're doing it out of the love of god anyway right but you don't you're not experiencing joy you're not getting pleasure you know there there will be times in your life where prayer well, is it just on. it's just not pleasurable and it's just not you're just not experiencing joy so i would just be care i would, wouldn't well say i that. think there's a difference between joy and pleasure as well yes ask someone who's going through a dry time right. of prayer sure. if if they're experiencing joy in their prayer but if you're, I think they okay no. maybe if you're constantly thinking uh, excited, more excited about eating than praying. Mm-hmm. That that's that, something. I, I still think, even should... in Juan's example, it's disordered. Yeah. Uh, because actually, I think that the glutton, they actually lose the ability to have excessive joy and excessive pleasure in food because they've become so desensitized this is to what, it. This is what people said. Right. Exactly. So, I, once again, I I would just propose mm-hmm. thinking about it. When he says excessive joy, just I, I would propose using disordered joy as a way of thinking about what St. Thomas Aquinas means. No, I'm not a Thomist, and yeah. so that's why I'm only proposing the idea, right. willing then, to be corrected The next and, one is and wrong. unseemingly joy, which I think is more like kind of what Juan was talking about as well. Like you, you're, you're, you're getting uh, a lot of joy out of things like you shouldn't probably be getting that much joy out uh-huh. of. Right, and embarrassing, you know, like, uh, yes, where someone's like just way too into the food, right? You know, like, all right, yeah, the ribs were good, but you know, like you're embarrassing yourself, right? right Calm now. down a little bit, right, pump exactly. the brakes. Yeah, so I think unseemingly joy. That's where you know, we meant. Who was it that mentioned um, a, a sin against the first commandment? You know, like actually yeah. becoming a form of um, idolatry. Idolatry. Yeah. So to me, that's that's what. When I when I think of unseemingly joy, yeah, that's the idolatry yeah. moment. Uh, the next one is a levity of behavior in behavior. Scurrility. 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 That is a funny word. You know, and I think this has to do more with, you know, obviously, drinking, right? You know, because uh, we're talking about food and drink. This one's probably, sure. probably okay. yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Uh, more in, in the realm of the drinking, you know, of... Uh, making everything there's it's one thing to ha- to be to be funny to be witty to be able to like uh you know break the ice so to speak uh-huh. uh, um and and to have you, you know to 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 be an orator that is captivating and have good rhetoric it's another thing though to where you're you're constantly um 
you you are constantly making a joke to to the point where you can't like you can't have a serious conversation. It's like, bro, I get it. You're funny. I'm trying to have a serious conversation with you, and you continually make light of everything. I feel like you're talking to me, Adam. No, I'm not attacking you. <laughs> I said talking to me, not attacking. Oh, oh no, no, I'm not even talking. Oh, I, no, I know. No. <laughs> I thought I didn't too. bring this whole subject up to make this one point to you yeah, on our no show. Way. No way. Not what I would, I would never do that. This is not my intent. That would be rude or stuff. Like, there's no way I would do that. Uh, the next one is uncleanliness, and this is related to, so it's interesting. I uh, did not realize, like, bulimia was probably a thing back then. I imagine that's been a thing forever. I, I guess so. Um, this is just my lack of knowledge in the the disease of, of bulimia. Uh, Does, I, I'd but, be curious to know how popular it was, you know, like, if... Because, you know, like, the idea of, like, what a beautiful woman was has changed a lot right. over time. that's true. And so, so I imagine it's gone through periods where it was more popular. Like, I, I bet it's more popular now than it was at most periods in history. Maybe. So he's related, he's, he says this is related to vom- uh, vomiting, but this is the time, this is the first time, uh, to my knowledge, that he brings it up as sexual impurity. That gluttony bleeds into sexual impur- impurity. Hmm. Interesting. Which we've talked about before on the show, and I, you've you've made this, um, you know, this distinction before on uh, if somebody it, it typically is uh, ha- has an issue with their appetites in food, they they typically have the issues in appetites. They're just so they're just uh, correlated, uh, big time. It, it, you know, sexually. Mm-hmm. And if you um, can't control your food appetite, uh, your sexual appetites are harder to control. Right. Because they they they, they have the, a higher pleasure, mm-hmm. right? And the things that have higher exactly. pleasures, right, are harder to control, mm-hmm. and are or, you know, it, they're harder to order properly. And I'm not saying that everyone who has food, appetite, no, that's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> no, well, let me say what I am saying. Okay, so just because your appetite for food is not under control doesn't mean your your sexual appetite is out of control. Right. But I will say. That someone whose sexual appetite is out of control, almost always their food appetite is out of control. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's a broad brush, but it's probably accurate. I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just willing to it's probably say accurate. that almost, almost always. Uh, the next the one, case. the fifth one, he talks about is, uh, man, it's, it's. This lo- is a word. This is a mouth. This is a mouthful of gluttony. Loquaciousness. Do you get that Loquacious- joke? That's a Loquacious- joke. So you talk about talkativeness, like being talking too much. Loquaciousness. Lo- loquaciousness. I could not spell that if you asked um, me to spell. So that. basically, talking too much. Uh, and, and this was again, all the words that we ever use, we're going to be judged by and uh, earn our final judgment. So if you're talking too much. Uh, <laughs> like, let's say you have a podcast. Let's say, let's say you've been doing a podcast since 2016, and there are people who are listening to you, and, and you continually like, talk. And you ran out of valuable things to say a long time ago. I mean, well, hypothetically. It's, it's like when you're a saint, they scrutinize everything you've written. Right. And said. And said. Which, which is why we'll never be canonized. Probably. Yeah. That's okay, though. That's why Jim's so quiet. That's why Jim is quiet. He'll be canonized. Please pray for us, Jim. Yes. We'll have your head on the wall. 
Jim. The, the Say la- Jim and companions. Yes, we can be the companions. Oh, that, <laughs> that would be that would be that great. would be awesome. Be I so would just I I really do. I'm stealing uh, our our friend Vinny. This is his joke that he just like wants to be and companions. But I agree. Yeah. I also would just love. That would be sweet. So the last one, number six, the the sixth daughter, is dullness of mind as regards to to the understanding of of, of Christ and his will. So let me ask you, because um, I haven't read what he's said about these daughters of, of gluttony before. Mm-hmm. Does he say anything like, is this a hierarchy? Because he's got them numbered here. Or did you, or is it or did you add the numbering or does he have the numbering? This is the uh, this is how he goes. So does he say that like one begets the next or that like if you have number three you necessarily have I numbers one and two? I don't two? think so. You know, like that's I'd be curious. So he doesn't say that's, anything that's about not that. How I read These it. are just like six different. They're just different. That's daughters. not how I, at least I read it. Okay, so it doesn't mean that like the, these things aren't progressive, meaning that. Oh, if you have number five, loquaciousness, you also have, like, most likely on all the other, like, the first four. It didn't seem like these that. Could be, these could be independent yes. vices that you would have. or And I think that was the case with also the it's, eight, it's eight one, daughters it's of one lust. Vice. It's one vice. These could be independent manifestations. Of, of, of the vice. Okay. That's what I think too, because it's the same thing. Like with the daughters of lust, when we went over those, it's like just because you have one does not actually mean you have the other, right? Because different temperaments, different personality styles and types, they're going to manifest. I think gluttony mm-hmm. in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, like a social butterfly, someone who's like friends with everybody, they're an gonna, extrovert. Yeah, they're going to be loquacious. Um, they're probably going to ha- be more likely to have scurrility. You know, levity in behavior, uh, you know, excessive joy, things like that. Whereas yeah. o- other different, other temperaments are going to have different, yeah. different things. Are yeah. you talking about me now? Are you revenging because I was talking about you? No, no, you're talking about me. No, Juan. I was talking about you. Yeah. Hey, Juan, how far? How long are we going? Because I have one more thing I wanted to bring up. If we're not too long, things like one ten. Okay, we have one oh eight. One oh eight. Okay, we have time. So here's something that I wanted to throw out at you. Because I think that uh, gluttony, you know, can is like kind of said at the top of the show. I think that gluttony in, in today's world looks a lot different than what it does uh, now. Because oh, you just go ahead and, and plug your microphone. Nice. Um, because you try to ask me a question. <laughs> uh, because uh, there's so many things now that uh, have a dopamine hit that yeah. did not have. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is, I think, you know, part of gluttony, you know, because mm-hmm. it's a constant, like, it, it satisfies your appetites and, like, it can over, it can control your will, it can control uh, your thoughts. Um, one thing I was thinking about, because we have so many things, is can we be a, gl- like, can we be a gluttony of time? Can you be more specific? So, like, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is the gift of time because we only have a certain amount. Right. And the amount that we, have, we are given, we will be judged upon. And in today's world, it seems like that a lot of people do things that are like, oh, I'm just wasting time. 
mm-hmm. trying to get to the next thing. Just killing time. I'm just trying to kill time. Just trying to get through it. I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm just trying to get to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so it made me, uh, I was thinking about this today, it made me wonder, like, is one of the, the greatest sins that we have in gluttony, so to speak, is that we are uh, ungrateful for the gift of time. And we take advantage of it so much that it's given to us that we can't, uh, like, that we're not, we're not fully appreciative of it. Uh, one of the things that I think that, you know, like, Peeper talks about, in, you know, in, in the basis of the culture, he talks about, like, one of the things that gluttons struggle with is that a lack of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're you're just constantly it's like it's just given to me. It's like yeah. I'm just constantly doing it. You know, I'm just constantly eating. I'm just constantly drinking. I'm constantly checking Facebook. I'm tr- constantly checking my email. I'm constantly on the phone. I'm constantly doing whatever it is. I'm constantly uh, engaging my appetites in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, is it possible that we're constantly taking advantage of time, where we, um or gluttons of it, so to speak, where we're not appreciative and like the gift of time, like you've talked about even on the show before, like one of the things that you're not looking forward to in your final judgment is uh, the things that you did not do. That Christ said, like, yeah. look at the look at the things that I was, I, I the, the, the grace. The gifts I was given that I did nothing with. That you yeah. did nothing with. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, once again, now I feel like we're talking about Kind of the the less traditional Understa- understanding I, I, of glutton. Well, of absolutely, gluttony, absolutely. Because which, honestly, I think the the way I think about gluttony tends to be this less traditional way that you know I less think, about food and drink. Yeah, where obviously it's primarily about food and food and drink. But to me, Dante had I brilliant at, insights though about this, like uh, about gossip, about like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I curiosity. Think you're right. Yeah, you're about, right. I think he, I think he, he kind of thinks the same way about it. To me, I think about gluttony that, okay, my appetites, I have an appetite for food and drink. That's just one of my appetites. And I need to help, I need to have self mastery over all of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, that's like, this is really where I, like, where I have all, a lot of work to do in my own life is, is controlling my appetites. This is why I'm so thankful for programs like Exodus 90, because they give me, tools they give me uh reasons like programs you know policies you know like it's like very concrete things to like i can say like oh i'm establishing Mm -hmm. why well why am i not doing it because it's exodus 90 right like everybody knows it's easier to give up sweets in lent than it is other times because like all of a sudden you have like a reason to do it right you know something that is you know like in front of you um so I also think that gluttony. That's why I kind of asked you that question earlier, right? Um, I wanted to get to it later, though. But to me, gluttony is more, which is also why I would say, even though the the traditional thing understanding of lust and gluttony would not, I I think they would disagree. To me, I do view lust as a subvice of gluttony. Because well, because my be ap- my appetites lust, uh, gluttony is a subvice of of lust. Lust is a higher no. 
See, to me, that's not the way I think about it. And I could be wrong. I think about it as gluttony being an excessive um, uh, giving in to excess to an appetite. So, like, I, I have a, a, you know, like, gluttony for, gluttony just being an excessive use of any of the appetites, whether it's food and drink, whether it's, um, you know, visual, like, we have, especially as men, we have visual appetites, you know, whether it comes to, like, how many movies do I want to watch in one day? Right. Uh, I've had movies where I've watched, like, two movies, I've, ha- I've had days where I've watched two or three movies in a day, you know, like, I have a slow day, wow. slow day, like, I'll put on a movie in the background. Have you ever done that? Like, no. Yeah. See, you're not a movie person. I have. Yeah. I'm going to put on a movie. Like, I don't do movies or songs. I know. See, like, that's, that's, that's just not something. I, yeah. That, like, I, I don't do songs either. Like, that's not something that's not even. But I've, ha- I've had days, and, and, you know, these are days I've looked back on with shame, where it's like, I can't believe I did that. You know, because you, th- you think, oh, I'm going to put this, I'm just going to put it on in the background while I get some work done, you know, or get fill in the blank. You know, I'm not just going to be sitting around here all day watching movies. However, you know, the next thing you know, it's like, oh, that movie's done. How much work did I get done? It's like, oh, well, you know, I'll put on another one. You know, it's like... Um, your so, your so, father-in-law said uh, that his dad told him, never hire someone who smokes a pipe yes, or listens to music while working. Yeah. Yeah. He told me that uh, at our exercise meeting. Yep. Not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, um, to me... That's gluttony. It's a gluttony of a visual appetite or of like an entertainment appetite. Mm. You know, it's... Uh, because that's not what... what consumption. The, it's consumption in excess. To me, that's like... Just that's, a I, better, that's a better way to say consumption it. Consumption in, in excess. excess. Yeah, I think that's a better way to say it. Of an appetite. And once again, I could be wrong. Yeah. That's just kind of how I think about it. And because I think about it in those terms, that would make lust a sub-vice. I see. Of gluttony because lust is specifically that universal and the consumption of a sexual appetite, a disordered consumption. Right. I understand what lust you're is not just over excess of a. So, like that's one distinction of lust. It's not just uh, consumption of the sexual appetite in excess. It's a disorder of the sexual appetite, right? Because it's not like oh, I'm having, um, you know, like legitimate uh, sex with you know like my my spouse my wife in times when i shouldn't be it's at lu- that's not lust necessarily lust is a disorder of the sexual appetites it's not a healthy Self, it's a self gratification right it's a it's an objectification mm-hmm. right that's that's like the difference between right but still that's the way i think about it and once again could be wrong so what do you think about the time issue cuz you 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 just talk right. about like you you just spend like 10 minutes talking about something that I didn't even ask you about. So did I answer your question? No. (laughs) I used up all that time. Yeah. Don't you get it? No. I don't know. I haven't thought about time in these terms before. I think it's a really good question. Um, I'd have to, in order to give it a fair shake, I'd have to really think about it a lot more because my, my initial reaction is no, that consumption of time is not the same thing. Okay. Uh, because I don't have a desire for time. Well, you have a desire to live. Yeah. 
Yeah, but not for time per se. I, I don't know. I, I you have a desire, like don't you have a desire to? You have a desire to be a husband. You have a desire to be a father. You have a desire to be a grandfather. You have a desire to do life. Yeah, but not forever. No, of course not. I don't know. That's it's a weird question. Thank you. It's a good question. Thank you again. The questions can be both. And I, I just don't know. <laughs>